Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm here joined by Tanner DeHart and, of course, Tony Mulvey. We've got a great lineup for you guys today. We're excited to get going. Uh, gentlemen, this is our uh, first episode here of December, and uh, or I guess second episode of December now, but uh, we're, we're, we're ready to go. we got a great lineup today. We're, we're talking about a few things today. We've seen a little bit of an elevation in spot rates. Contract rates have actually come down, uh, and we're seeing... We're starting to fall into some seasonal patterns here with volume. We'll, we'll get to all that later on. Uh, we're also very soon, we're going to be bringing on a very special guest here, a Sonar customer um, from the Black Rifle Coffee Company. So we will bring them on shortly. Um, so stay tuned for that. But uh, uh, first, um, Tanner, great to have you back again. And uh, Tony, Tony, I feel like we get, we've we've brought Tanner in and he's all of a sudden assumed like the spot in the middle here between us. He's breaking us up. I know. He. He's got like the captain's chair there in the middle. Hey, I'm just here linking everybody together. Okay, hey, that's, that's, that's a, what it's about. The glue, it. the glue that holds me and Luke together. Yes, that's a, correct. That's yes, the, the way to do the, it. The soft glue, but that's yeah. it. That's it. <laughs> well, well, we 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 got to talk a little bit too, like as and part of the theme for today will be as we as we get into 2023. I don't know if you guys saw the webinar that Craig Fuller, our CEO, and um, Zach, our head of market intelligence, did yesterday, talking a lot about where the freight market is going to go in 2023. Um, and Tanner, I think it'd be interesting, like. What are those, you know, before we get into some of the data that we're going to look at today, like, you know, what are those conversations or what are those questions customers are starting to ask a lot in regards to, you know, how the freight market is going to turn out in 2023? You know, give yeah. us your best crystal ball. Yeah, that's right. That's that's kind of what everybody's asking for is a crystal ball. And it's really about when mm-hmm. and how, right? And so everybody, there's, there's different estimates out there. Is it Q1? Is it Q3? Like, when can we expect things to maybe start to change? Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, it's it's been a actually an advantage. We talked a little bit about this last week, Tony, about how shippers have actually been in a really decent place, actually, mm-hmm. as uh, costs start to come down, trucking-wise, warehousing. So things have been uh, a good opportunity for them to take the chance to grow and really take advantage of this marketplace. Um, but as we all know, it always tends to flip every yep. couple of years. Um, so really c- questions we get all the time is kind of, you know, hey, when is this going to happen, right? And it's really not about trying to time the market. As we say with stock market all the time, it's about time in the market, right? So it's looking at the data, looking at the charts and relating it back to your business and try to timing that data around when that could possibly start to impact you. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's such a broad market, right? When you think about all the different segments of the economy that move, that transportation relies on. So, I mean, those conversations, it almost depends on who the customer is, like where they are in certain verticals too. I mean, because like industrial and things like that could turn, I mean, that started to slide a little in November, but you that could be an area that pounces up, but the consumer may struggle or something like that. So it, it, it's knowing your customer base and what verticals and understanding kind of how each mode or each data set would affect them kind of specifically. Yeah. Well, I want to give a quick market update too, especially as we, you know, as we we're finishing out the year, here's the final month, we finished Thanksgiving. Uh, Tony, I'm going to throw this over to you. Let's throw up the, uh, the our outbound tender volume index here. Uh, and then we're going to bring on Ben here from Black Rifle Coffee right after this. Um, but uh, yeah, Tony, I, Kind of look at we, we've seen this chart before here, but we're, we've almost finished now 2022. So dark blue is 2022, blue and green line up top is 2020, 2021, and then that orange line down below there is in 2019. Tony, when you look at this, kind of you know w- w- what goes on in your mind, kind of seeing where that dark blue is in relation to the other years. It's not a surprise. I mean, I see you're starting to see it move down, right, closer to those 2019 levels. But yeah. we're kind of in the seasonal pattern. If you look off four years, well, three years, and then this year, 
December is really one of the softer months. I know it gets a lot of hype about peak season, but it's more of in that time or in December, it's more time sensitive things. You'll see direct to spot. You're seeing spot rates kind of react in a positive way. You're not seeing volumes. Or if you think this tracks really close to the contracted market, uh, it does include some spot, but more contract. It's not really a surprise. I think the what's going to be kind of telling is what happens in Q1. I mean, this is basically setting up for a very seasonal January and February, which are never great months in the freight market. I think when you're going to look back on what we saw last year, right, or even the beginning of this year, we were in such a different marketplace. Those comps are going to be so difficult that the numbers are going to look, it just, it seems very bleak when you start facing comps. But, I mean, tracking close to 2019 is what my best guess is going to be. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like, even if it, like, where's the demand come from? Like, yeah. there's no way. You see every year of the last four years on the chart that there has been kind of an increase in demand at the beginning of the year, but I, I just I don't see where that demand comes from in the marketplace. And yeah. yes, we talked about last week, we had a decent Black Friday, 3% up year over year, um, but I, I just don't see how we're going to get any type of demand increase at the beginning of the year. Well, that's really simple, folks. The demand comes from everybody uh, buying Black Rival Coffee. So uh, with that, let's bring on uh, Ben Ritchie here, Senior Director of uh, Transportation and Distribution from Black Rifle Coffee. Uh, ben, how you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? <clears throat> We're doing great. Glad to have you here today, Ben. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Um, ben, if you could, just for, for folks out there that maybe, um, just to give maybe a quick little, you know, 20-second intro of yourself, what you do, and uh, um, and we'll go from there. Great. Hey, um, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. I'm Ben Ritchie. Uh, I lead logistics at Black Rifle Coffee Company. I've uh, been at Black Rifle Coffee for a year now, almost right on the button. Uh, before that, I was at uh, PepsiCo for 10 years, Amazon for a couple years before that, and I had uh, 10 years in the Army as well. So uh, that's my kind of full background. Um, you know, at Black Rifle Coffee, we are we're growing really fast, I think, as everybody knows, uh, and we are true omni-channel. So I know we'll talk a lot about it today. We'll talk about the market, and we'll talk about Sonar and freight waves, but Sonar has been uh, just awesome for us uh, to be able to look at all the trends and make great predictions. But. That's good. No, glad glad to hear that. And I know Tanner Tanner appreciates the love too. He never never stops talking about how how great it is to work with you. So I'm teasing, mm-hmm. but uh, great to have you here, Ben. Ben, I wanted to if you, if I could just kind of introduce you know maybe a question. You've you've seen a lot. Um, you know, uh, you, you've seen a lot of cycles, you know, being at Amazon, being at Pepsi and now at Black Rebel Coffee, companies in different stages of their journey, right? In, in relation to kind of where the freight market is today and maybe what, what you've seen over the last couple of years versus your tenure, you know, what, you know, what surprised you the most about how the freight markets have changed, you know, basically where, where we are today versus maybe where we were, you know, pre-pandemic and even before then. You know, what, what surprised you the most? Well, you know, I think this year what surprised me the most, um, I'm sure I don't get totally out of frame here. Sorry, guys. Um, what what surprised me the most was that, uh, you know, I, I think everyone has been, you know, I, I, look, I look at the big shops, C.H. Robinson, uh, Transplace, you guys, um, and, you know, we all try, we're, everyone's trying to make predictions. There's a lot of professionals out there making a lot of good predictions. And generally, I think a lot of our predictions match, they largely match where we've all kind of struggled is timing and magnitude. Um, 
And, and what surprised me this year was the timing of the dip or the timing of capacity loosening and then the magnitude of that loosening and the speed with which it dropped. Um, that, that was the most surprising. Now, for, as a shipper, um, it's, it's basically pretty good news, right? I mean, uh, to, to see rates um, dropping and to see capacity opening up uh, and then, you know, um, and along with that comes great. Cert, you're going to get great service at better rates. Those are all good things. And I think, but then also on the heels of that as a shipper is, hey, how, how are we going to dovetail this into the future when, you know, how, how far down is this going to come? As a shipper, how am I going to take care of my carriers that I'm working with? Um, and then how are we going to partner as it shifts back again? And oh, by the way, are we going to see another dramatic change in the other direction sometime in the middle of the year next year? Uh, and how do we start preparing for that? So that's kind of a, a long answer to your yeah. to your relatively question. The most surprising thing was just the magnitude and, and uh, the, the timing of the drop. And Ben, talking about moving into the future, what are some key indicators from a macro standpoint that maybe you're looking at inside of Sonor or maybe even from the federal government to, to maybe key when that change might happen? Yeah, well, I, I look at it. I look at a bunch of them. I look at CPI. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at... Um, the retail sales chart, and I, I overlay the food and beverage uh, sales chart on top of that. I, I love looking at uh, industrial production versus um, versus total inventory. Uh, for me, that's a that's a big indicator. I mean, you've seen you've seen inventory, you know, spike way up, um, you know, with inflation uh, where it is, uh, you know, people's uh, you know, just basically consumer consumer behavior is shifting and changing. Um, and at the same time, you know, in industrial production, it didn't look like to me anyway, it didn't slow down um, in the manner that maybe it needed to in order to bring those inventories down. So now you've got this large flood of inventory. And I'm so I'm looking at those are some of them. But then there's also, you know, um, housing starts, uh, consumer credit. I'm, I'm kind of putting all that together. And for me, it starts to build a picture of, hey, there's all this inventory, uh, consumer Behavior is changing. Um, probably people are going to wait till the last minute on some of their Christmas shopping. They're going to forego, forego some of their holiday shopping. Uh, but there's and there's probably going to be big sales on the back end of the holidays. But then what happens? And then what happens to all of that warehouse capacity that starts to open up? And then again, beyond that, how does that affect truckload? That that's the kind of full picture that I'm looking at. All of those indicators to tell me where. Uh, the truckload market and the warehouse market, frankly, is also going to go um, and start making predictions and building our plan for next year off of, off of all those. I mean, that's a great point. So, and, and you touched on it. I mean, building that plan. I mean, how impactful is data? I mean, you mentioned those data sources, but building that kind of a strategic plan over a longer term, but also using it in a short term day to day lifestyle. Like, is it? as impactful? Because I mean, a lot of those data points you mentioned are monthly and they're reported sometimes two months on a lag, but it's still good information. But then there's also data points that are, are near term that you can look at for those day to day. How, how impactful is it to have fast data with those slower kind of government data points? Um, you know, I think both are, both are impactful uh, in their own right. Uh, you know, I think in our, in our shop, we, we kind of use we, we use the 
the day-to-day data, so uh, like market dashboard to make sure that we're tracking um, to the rates that we should be at. Uh, we, we also use some of those uh, larger indicators uh, like inflation and consumer credit and all that kind of stuff and sort of these lots of inventory to make decisions in the moment. But we, we are really kind of trying to set up a, a, um, our, our processes and our team and our system so that we're um, planning at least a few months out, right? So it, our, our day-to-day, it's, we're using that data more as a check. Like, hey, are we on track for where we, where we should be from a rate perspective? Um, but we're looking more at, hey, what's coming and how do we plan for that? We're trying to be proactive. That's, I mean, frankly, that's what we use Sonar for probably the most. We certainly use a market dashboard. We, we use um, the rates that, uh, that Sonar provides to, to check how we're doing in the moment. Uh, but we're, we're starting to try to get a lot more proactive. That's great, Ben. Ben, one, one thing we, we always talk about and everybody's always looking for the future, right? And kind of what's the next problem we're going to have to interact with, but kind of changing that view a little bit, right? You know, there's, um, you know, what's, you know, and, and you've seen a lot in the industry, I guess, you know, over, over your experience, but what, it, what excites you about the future of the freight industry? And I'll even be a little more specific with like, you know, maybe, maybe in regards to technology or maybe in regards to how people are interacting with technology or the industry, you know, kind of where, where do you hope to see, you know, that positive change for the industry, you know, a year out, five years, you know, and so on kind of which direction do you, will, will that look like in your view? Um, that's, that's a great question. Um, you know, what I'm really excited about looking forward for, from where I sit is uh, getting to partner with the carriers that, we, you know, we're, we've been very specific about um, the carriers that we've chosen to, to work with just because we are growing so fast. And again, being true omni-channel, we have to do everything from parcel to LTL to delivering to the ground for uh, company stores um, to full truckload of like ready to drink. So. Uh, and we're, we're national, so and, and we're you know our, our lanes are growing out so fast. It's sort of this, you know, all these tentacles is just this massively growing octopus that's just uh, we're trying to just keep up with, right? So um, and so I'm excited about working with the carriers that we've chosen to um, help us grow that way. And then from a technology perspective, that's that's part of how we're choosing. The, the carriers that are leaning into technology and that are leveraging technology and that are sort of, you know, clearly they're on the carrier side of it. We're on the shipper side of it. Um, and I'm clear with my carriers and with, with everyone that I want everybody to win. Uh, we, we need to win financially, but the carriers need to win financially too. They need to be making, you know, making their margin, doing well for us to these relationships to last. And I expect the carriers that we're working with to be leveraging technology to see where, where they can they can help me win where they're also winning and they don't find themselves in a, in a, uh, in a tough spot from a rate perspective. And of course, next year, especially, I think that's going to be really important for them, right? I don't ever want carriers to be giving me rates that are not sustainable. Um, and so, I, you know, to kind of circle back to what excites me is all the technology that I see those carriers using from, uh, from tracking to trend analysis um, to, uh, you know, uh, um, really looking at specific markets where we're operating and um, making better predictions based on technology to see where the rates can be just to do just that, to, to be able to give me and my organization a rate that, um, that we can win with, but the carrier can also win with. 
Now, Ben, I know we've thrown a lot at you the last few months as you've kind of integrated Sonar and we've had a lot of training sessions, but if you had to pick out one data set so far inside of Sonar that you kind of look at maybe on a weekly or daily basis that really drives the most value for you and your team's decisions, what, what data set would that be? There's there's so many, um, you know, probably that logistics managers index, though, uh, is has been really helpful uh, just because it it integrates it integrates so many different different data sets and so much. There's so many trends in there. And, you know, I have to look at truck, but also warehouse. Uh, and that, again, as we're growing, our inventories are, you know, uh, um, in- increasing exponentially in some places and decreasing really fast in other places. We're in peak in some places and other places we're building up for, for a different peak. Right. So um, that logistics managers index uh, really helps, really helps me um, make, I think we're making pretty good predictions based on that one. I, I would say a close second behind that though, is sort of, it's the, the uh, combination of um, the, the outbound tender volume, outbound tender rejection, and then the CLAV all together. Just looking at those together also helps me then um, kind of couple that with the, the logistics managers index that, um, make good prediction. That's what I'm looking at on a regular basis. We don't, I don't have a uh, logistics managers index ready, but we do have the tender rejections. Let's go ahead and throw those up since we're talking about those. Got to give our folks a market update here. Um, so yeah, I think some of us have seen this before. Ben, this might look familiar. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is just right. last, uh, last five years or so of those tender rejections. And I think there's something you, you, you mentioned earlier, Ben, right? These are the um, I think the magnitude of it, of it all, right? You've got that initial, that little red period there, right after the green spike, kind of in the middle of the chart. That red area is the bottom of the COVID shutdown mm-hmm. there, there in 2020. And then again, I think Fed starts pumping money in. I think we knew it was going to go up, but again, that magnitude was surprising. And then same thing here, the magnitude and also the speed at which it dropped. Uh, again, I think we we expect it softening, but the the extreme of it and the quickness of it was surprising. And now we're sitting down at 4% there in the right, really the third lowest point um, since since data tracking began. And I, something you said, Ben, that really resonated is, I think with all this technology, right? FreightWaves is, is a data provider, but then there's, there's track and trace companies out there. There's all types of data vendors that do different things. And I, I'd love to see, I think maybe smooth out some of these boom and bust cycles a little bit. There's always going to be, you know, times of bullish and times of bearish. But I mean, we live in such like, I mean, just think of the last five years in the industry, right? Mm -hmm. Or or even the last six years with 2017 and 2018, such a boom and then such a bust going into 2019. And then obviously you had COVID that just expanded on that. Love to see that smoothed out a little bit. Mm -hmm. Tony, I guess from your perspective, you kind of see a lot of this stuff long-term with a lot of the, a lot of the data, right? You know, is there, are there any signals that we would look to that would kind of signal like, oh, okay, maybe the cycles are getting a little bit smoother? Where would we look to? I mean, obviously, rejection is probably number one just because yeah. they're day to day. But I mean, if you start looking at, I mean, I look at credit card spending and I, I look at it more broken down. I look at multiple sources, right? Not mm-hmm. just from the government, but I look I look at Bank of America and their credit card. I mean, one of the biggest banks. So yeah. they kind of have a good gauge on what consumer behavior is. I've been looking at that for for changing consumer behavior patterns. And there's some interesting ones that are happening. I mean, you look at some of the goods, not necessarily grocery or CPG, but some of the ones that we've talked about, furniture, home improvement, uh, clothing, department yeah. stores, things like that, all that spending slowing down. But I mean, grocery still, 
relatively strong. Yeah. Coffee. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. I was going to say, me, me and Ben have talked about this several <laughs> times, talking about consumer behavior. It's yeah, like, yeah. what? when do people stop spending money on their regular habits, right? Yeah. And coffee seems to be the thing that that doesn't change. And me and Ben have yeah. talked about when when is the point that you're going to change from a $5 coffee to a $2 coffee, or can you not? You have to get it every single day. And uh, it's interesting to see mm-hmm. I, I, um, Black Rifle coffee, especially yeah. those and, uh, and, if, and if you live in America, you, you should be buying Black Rifle coffee because we are America's coffee. That's so right. just, just saying. <laughs> ben, are you are you guys, I don't want to necessarily say recession-proof, but maybe recession-insulated a little bit? Yeah, you know, I, I, I've been thinking about that, and Tanner and I have talked about this um, quite a bit, and, you know, really looking at trends in the coffee industry, I think we are insulated. Uh, I, I think that, you know, people, including myself, you know, we, we, we tend to look at, okay, what is my own, uh, what are my own buying habits? You know, what are my friends and family? Like, what do we do? And those of us who uh, consume caffeine or caffeinated uh, products or, or drinks, which is a lot of people, I, I should probably know the percentage of people in the United States that are adults that um, consume caffeinated beverages, um, but it's, I'm sure it's a very high percentage, right? Uh, it, it, People, I think, even in an inflationary environment, are not going to give caffeine. They just aren't. Uh, it, it's and so then it's just a matter of what are they going to purchase, right? And I think coffee, just coffee in general, um, is something that's relatively insulated, and it seems like that's the case, you know, across the coffee industry right now. I, um, that's something that you know I, I know we're going to probably talk about a little bit. Like, what are some of the indicators that we'd like to see? Um, so in our ad, and for me, it's it's uh, commodities, it's things like beans and things like what's the wider sort of international uh, um, view of how the, those uh, types of commodities are moving. But you know, when it turns it, when you when you get the bean, you you roast it, you turn it into coffee. That on the shelf, I think that continues to come off the shelf, uh, and and I don't think that changes very much even in this environment. I looked it up for you. Per the CDC, they said that uh, roughly 80% of U.S. adults consume caffeine every day. Um, I would have said 75%. So, yeah, yeah I was, we were close. So, yeah, it's, so it's a lot of people, right? And people won't, again, my prediction there would be people aren't going to give that up. It's just a matter of what are they going to purchase? What are their purchasing habits within that category? Yeah. Uh, so I think, I think, uh, I think we're going to be doing well next year. I got a, I got one last question for you, Ben, as we as we round out time here and then uh, Tanner and Tony and I'll close out. Um, so I know you've been using Sonar for a couple months, still a little bit time there to, to get familiar. And we're still getting familiar. But if you based on what you've seen so far, what would be your ultimate either feature or data request for maybe Sonar to add at some point in the future? Yeah. And so I, I was starting to allude to it there. You know, the, what I would love to be able to see, because as I've, you know, we start with kind of start with truckload. We all kind of start with truckload. And for me, it's sure. truckload in the warehouse back into um, industrial production and, and uh, inventory and consumer credit and all that kind of stuff uh, blends together to give you a really good picture. For me, what's kind of missing, what I'd love to see is those what I'm calling commodities, but it's other it's other goods. Uh, that go into, you know, your, your raw materials really. So, but not just for, you know, for me, coffee beans. Okay, sure. But it's also paper and it's steel and it's, that's going into housing. There's, uh, you know, um, other raw materials that are just going into everything. So further all, all the way, almost at the beginning of the value chain, what is happening with that production and the movements of those raw materials into all of industry, which then, 
gives us an even clearer picture into what what is going to how that's going to affect the freight industry right so that's that's what i'd love to see love that that's awesome no thanks so much for joining us today ben really appreciate your time today we're going to close up here so um always a pleasure speaking with you all right we'll have you on again soon. thank you take care um legend I, i'm i'm impressed i feel like ben was talking a lot of like i mean it's smart it makes sense right a lot a lot of economics that are that mm-hmm. are driving things to a lot of folks like to just think oh what's the what's the rate but i mean there's like you said right the value chain yeah get, it. it's a different perspective right yeah. when you hear hear it from a shipper right they need to understand what their customers which are, right. in this case consumers are buying because that's the important part it, the the transportation aspect is something that has to happen regardless mm-hmm. like so it's what's the consumer doing where is but then also you mentioned it he goes it's a check for us using sonar data because they don't want it i mean shippers especially in the past two years they don't want to feel like they're being taken advantage of in right. a market especially in a market right now where rates have come down and things like that so they want to be able to put themselves kind of on that front foot and be, and be ready for whatever comes their way. Absolutely. No, so true. Well, folks, thanks so much for tuning in today. We will see you not next week, but the Wednesday after that, the 21st, live 3 p.m. We'll see you here. Have a fantastic rest of your day.